welcome to Bangor Community Church Podcast. We pray that you will be blessed today as you hear the Word of God. Hallelujah. Well, we're going to come around the Word just before we um, hear the folks from the folks that are going through the waters this morning. So let's pray as as we do. Lord, we thank you for this Word today. We thank you that it illuminates enlightens our hearts, gives us something to walk by. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you say what you want this morning to each heart, including mine. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if we turn up to Romans in chapter 1 this morning, the book of Romans, chapter 1, if you have your Bible or an app on your phone, Romans chapter 1. Romans is a great book written by the Apostle Paul to the Romans. Verse 11, Paul says, I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift so that you could be established. And the laying on of hands is important or imparting a spiritual gift is important as a believer would lay their hands upon another believer or a minister would lay their hands upon somebody, a spiritual gift can be imparted. And in Timothy, Paul says, stir up the spirit, stir up the gifts that are within you by the laying on of hands. So when you see this in church, if you're a visitor visitor this morning, maybe you were saying, oh, what's she doing? I was praying for Kyle. I put my hand on him because the scripture talks about the laying on of hands. You're imparting the power of God to somebody when you put their, your hand. When I put my hand upon them, it wasn't my, it was my hands on them, but the power of God, I'm a channel for the power of God to flow through. So that's what was happening when I was praying for Kyle this morning. So your hands can be like, you know, if you have jump leads for the car, you need the car started. You get those jump leads out. So for Christians, for a minister, with the laying on of hands, whether it's prayer for healing or prayer for an evil spirit to be cast out or off somebody, then you, these hands are become like jumper cables. You put the hands on and the power of God can f- flow through. The anointing of God can flow through. The healing power of God flows through. It's nothing from the person who's put it on the hands. You understand that? They're just that, that vessel or they're like that, the jumper leads. They're just playing their part. They're connect, the connecting. So the power of God's connected, flowing through onto that person. Isn't that great? So this book, so it's about the power of God onto salvation. Verse 15 then. Paul says, for as much as in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. And verse 16 is really the heart of this whole book. Paul says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the, to, for the Greek. And that means, you know, in those days, um, they had the Jews and you know, Jesus obviously was born a Jew, and everybody who wasn't a Jew was outside of that. 
they were called a Gentile or here the Greeks. But Paul's saying, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. He's not ashamed. And we who know Jesus Christ this morning have taken him into our hearts. We should never be ashamed of Jesus Christ. Amen? And we should be ready at all times to preach the gospel. All times be ready to share the gospel. When did you last share the gospel, the good news with people? Amen? Now, that word gospel means good news. If you look back in the Greek, it means good news. In fact, it's also been translated nearly too good to be true news. Nearly too good to be true news. That word, when it was used, was nearly too good to be true, true news, and it was used very, very seldom up until this time, although through this New Testament, it's used many, many times. But there wasn't much to celebrate. In the world, there's not much nearly too good to be true news. And it's pretty much the same today, isn't it? There's not a lot of nearly too good to be true news. And when Jesus was born, and he, and Paul's referring to Jesus here, because he is the one who died for us. But when Jesus was, came to this earth, he came into a legalistic system. He came into a performance-based system. He came into a system and society and the Jews that were still living under the law, the Old Testament law. And that Old Testament law was you had to keep every part of the law. James in chapter 2 and verse 10 says, For whoever, and I'm reading of the, out of the classic Amplified this morning, whoever keeps the law as a whole but stumbles and offends in one single instance, has become guilty of breaking it all. So the law was set in operation, and it was to point out where you missed it. And people were always missing it. And if you kept all of the law, but one tiny little bit that you missed, you were guilty of everything, of breaking the law. So it was a legalistic society that Jesus came into, and the law was showing people, you're wrong here, you've done wrong here, you're not much good here, and that was the society. And no matter what good you did, no matter how good you were, there was always more to do. And that was the law. Um, let's look over at Mark chapter 3. Mark chapter 3. The Jews, they were so religious, so about keeping the law. You know that one of the laws was you will not work on the Sabbath. And let's read from verse 1 to 6. So that was one of their laws. And it says, and he entered the synagogue again. This is Jesus, talking about Jesus. And a man there who had a withered hand was, was there who had a withered hand. So they watched him closely. The Pharisees were watching Jesus closely whether he would heal this man with a withered hand on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. That was the law. That was the Jews living under the law. They're watching, is Jesus going to heal on the Sabbath? Because you're not supposed to do any work on the Sabbath. And verse 3, and so he, he said to the man who had the withered hand, step forward. And then he said to them, to the Pharisees, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, 
to save life or to kill, but they kept silent. And when he had looked around at them with anger, being grieved by the sadness of their hearts, he said to the man, stretch forth your hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored as whole as the other. But the Pharisees, those Jews, they went out and immediately plotted with the Herodians. That was another religious sect against him that they might destroy him. So they were very much into religion, all about keeping the law, all about pointing the finger in those days. Quickly, let's turn to Luke, and we'll read another passage about the Sabbath here. Luke chapter 13. Luke chapter 13, and we'll start in verse 10. Now he was teaching, again talking about Jesus in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity for 18 years. Notice she had a spirit of infirmity. So some sicknesses and a lot of sicknesses, not all, but a lot, can be caused by a spirit, an evil spirit. Here was an evil spirit of infirmity. And um, she had it for 18 years. She was bent over and could in no way raise herself up. But when Jesus saw her, he called her to him, and he said, Woman, you're loosed from your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation, because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. And he said to the crowd, There are six days on which men ought to work. Therefore, come and be healed in one of them. Don't come on the Sabbath. Verse 15, the Lord then answered and said to him, Hypocrite, does not each one of you in the Sabbath loose his ox or donkey from the stall and lead it away to water? So ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound? So there you are, Satan has bound. He put the spirit of infirmity on her. Think of it, for 18 years, Jesus said, should she not be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath? And when he said these things, all his adverse adversaries were put to shame, and all the multitude rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. Hallelujah. So there was those religious people that were indignant. They thought, this is terrible. Even though the great thing happened, this is terrible, because you're not keeping the law. And that was the society that Jesus was born into. So Paul's saying here, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. So we go back to Romans and chapter 1 here. Romans chapter 1. I am not ashamed, verse 16, of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation. For everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. So this word gospel means good news, nearly too good to be true news. So what was the good news? The good news was that Jesus Christ came. He came, and Paul's saying, because this is after the fact, the Apostle Paul was writing this when Jesus had already come to earth. He'd already been born. He'd already, for 33 years, lived on earth. And then he had gone to the cross, and we know he was beaten, and he was bruised, 
anybody seen the passion of Christ will have seen what, what Christ went through for us, for all of us, whether today you have taken him as Savior and Lord or not. He went through that for us. All of that pain, all of that bleeding, all of that hurt, all of the shame, he died naked on the cross. For us, for each one of us, for the whole world, the Bible says. For God so loved the whole world that he sent his son. And he died naked, bleeding on the cross for us. And then it says when he died, he was buried. And when he was buried for three days after that time, the power of God raised him up. Raised him up and whipped the devil. Stripped him of everything. And Jesus is reigning today. That's the good news. He came and he died so we wouldn't have to go to the cross because the law required that everybody who missed the law by one tiny little bit would have to pay the penalty of sin. And the good news is Jesus has paid it. And he's paid it for you today. And he's never going back to the cross to pay it again because the Bible says he did it once and for all. It was so good, once was enough. Once was enough, once and for all. That is the good news. Isn't that wonderful? That is the good news. That's why when we come in and as the saints come together, as we come, Christians coming, we're coming to worship him. We're, we're rejoicing before him. We're bringing our praise. We can't be... I praise you today. No, we want to shout that praise because Jesus has taken our place. Hallelujah. That is the good news. He's taken all of our shame, all of the sin, all of the pain that we would have to, to experience. He took that so that we trust. When we take Jesus as Lord, we trust. I don't have to have this pain. I don't actually have to have this sickness. I don't have to take that because Jesus has taken it on his body for me. And as you put your trust in the Lord, and that's why people come to church week after week, it's because they're learning more and more about Jesus, more and more about what he's done in their life. Is that right, Selena? Learning more and more. Yeah. And Selena's going through the Bible, taking notes and get it into her understanding. Galatians chapter 3. Let's turn there quickly. Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. Again, Paul wrote this book, but it was to a different group of people, those in Galatia. And Verse 13, he says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. The law to curse, from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. So Jesus became a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. And that's what he did for us. That the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles. In other words, those who aren't Jews. In Jesus, in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through him. And the Jew can receive Jesus Christ too, to clarify. Jesus came for all men, Jews 
and those who were not Jews. Hallelujah. So he took the curse upon himself. So it's not about what we've done right. Nothing's about this is what we've done. We couldn't keep the law in its entirety. This is all about what Jesus has done, what he did. And all we have to do is say, Jesus, I believe that you went to the cross. You've already gone to the cross and you did it for me. And if I was the only one on earth, you would have done it for me. But you did it for me and you did it for everybody. And I believe that today. And if you believe that today, the next step would be to say, and Jesus, because I believe you did that, I want to live for you. Come into my heart. I want to live for you. I don't want to live for the devil. You may say, well, I'm not living for the devil. Well, if you're not living for Jesus, the fallback is you're living for the devil because the Bible calls him the God of this world and this age because he robbed and deceived Adam and Eve out of their, 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 their right to rule this place. It's been given rule over to him. But whenever you receive Jesus, you receive what he's done for you in the cross, you then become a ruler with him and reign with him. You know, if you want to have good success in your life, receive Jesus. You know, if you want to receive healing, you can receive healing whether you receive Jesus or not because he loves you. You know, if you want to walk in good relationships and you want to walk in the plan that God has for you, receive Jesus. The Bible says right back in Genesis, right at the start, it says, you know, that God created the world. God created every, everything in the world. And God created the animals, the birds of the air. And God created man. God created woman. God created every man and woman that would come. It doesn't matter how that man or woman ever got here. It does not matter. It doesn't matter. It matters to God that, you know, it, it came by a rape or something else. But the fact is... Every child that is born into this world, Jesus is the creator. And Jesus is a plan for that life. Jesus is a plan for your life. And you'll never have the success and you'll never have the fulfillment. You'll never, ever experience it unless you know what it is to take Jesus into your life and to walk with him. Hallelujah. So it's not about us. It's not about what we've done. Nothing's about what we've done. It's all about him. Salvation. What he did for us, and we call that salvation. He went to the cross and he rose again. Salvation, which includes healing and peace and joy and hope and prosperity. Salvation is everything that Jesus did and nothing that we did. What was our part? Our part was to receive the free gift because it's a gift. It was gifted to us. It's a free gift. Our part is just to receive. Oh, thank you for that gift. That's a gift. You've given me life. That, that's a gift. Now, I want to walk in the plan that you have for my life because nobody else knows me like you do, Jesus. Nobody else knows me doesn't matter the closest person in your life. They'll never walk through your life exactly the way you do. Only you walk through your life as you, your personality, 
the gifts, the abilities, the way you think. You're an original, and you were made an original by God. Here's another way you can say it. It's not that you're so lovely, or I'm so lovely that Jesus went and died for me. No, it's nothing to do with how lovely I am, or how lovely you are, or how lovely you think you are. It's all to do with God is love. He's all love. And because God is love, he sent his only son, Jesus, to die in our place where the law required a penalty for sin. And the penalty for sin is death. It's death. It's spiritual death. It's separation from God. That's the penalty for sin. Separation from God. And the Bible is very clear that there's a heaven that we go to, or there's a hell that we go to. Hell was never prepared for any of us. Hell was only prepared for the devil and for all the demons, his crew. That was where it was prepared. But the Bible ha- is, it says God is a fair and he's a just God and he gives opportunity to all mankind, all boys and girls, all men and women, whether they will choose him or not. And if they don't choose him, They've chosen, as I said earlier, they've chosen the God of this world. And he's very glad to take you to eternity with him. And that's an eternity of hell. But the good news that we're preaching this morning is that we don't have to choose that. We don't have to. We just say, Lord, I believe you. I believe you died for me. I believe you took my sins. I believe you took all of my shame, all of my wrongdoing. You took it on myself. And you just receive it by grace. Are you saved through faith? It's the gift. So you receive it by grace. You cannot earn it. God does not love you or me anymore today. There's nothing that we can do to make him love us more. Nothing. It's not amazing. I mean, we can't get our heads around that. You mean if I praise you a wee bit more? You mean if I really overcome that temptation that you're not going to love me anymore? No, he's not going to love us anymore. But it's to our benefit that we stay away from what the Bible calls a sin. And, and anything is sin that's not of faith, the Bible says. Hallelujah. So um, you say, well, that, that's very good news. You mean I can keep on sinning? I can keep on doing this and keep on doing that and keep on doing the things that the Bible says not to do. No. It's not like something's going to come out and smack you out of heaven or anything like that, you know. But there's a reason to live holy because there's consequences to our actions. I think we all know about that. Consequences to wrong actions. So it's for us to live holy. It's for us to live right. It's for us to to put this word, to put the Bible into practice, because then you'll have good success in this life. You know, God is a good father. He's such a good father. He didn't hold back his only son from us. He's so good. He's so good. And he wants his children to, and all mankind to experience good things as they put their trust in him. Romans chapter 6, I'm reading here from the Amplified, says... This is one of the reasons why we're, we're not licensed to keep on sinning. 
even though Christ has taken our place and died for us. Verse 16 of Romans 6 says, Do you not know that when you continually offer yourselves to someone to do his will, you are the slaves of the one whom you obey, either slaves of sin, and we know Satan is the author of sin, which leads to death, or slaves of obedience, which leads to righteousness, right standing with God. So we don't want to give Satan or the devil these different names, access to your life for him to kill or steal from you or to destroy your life because that's what he wants to do. You know, um, just because you go out, you know, Jesus can be in your heart. The Lord loves you. He, he loves you so much. He, doesn't, he can't love you any more than he already does. You, you go out and you, you need some hard cash and you need that cash quickly, so you come up with a plan to go rob a security van that's taking money for the shopping centers or something like that. And your plan works, so you think, but you get caught. And you spend, you know, so many years or days, whatever the sentence is in prison. You know, it hasn't changed the fact that God loves you. It hasn't changed the fact that God died and, and he rose again for you. It hasn't changed the fact that the gift of God is, is free to you. But there you are, you've just gone out and you've done a silly thing, you've robbed from somebody and there's consequences to that. There's consequences to that action. And you're sitting in prison, you could be sitting with your Bible, oh, and I just, I love you, Lord, and you praise and worship in him. But you're locked up when you could be free. That's why we stay out of the stuff. So salvation is everything that God has, and it comes from that word, I think we looked at it last week or the week before, zozo, S-O-Z-O, the Greek word. It means to save, to deliver, to protect, to heal, to preserve, to do well, or to make whole. So some churches would say, oh, you're saved, you're going to heaven, you've got your ticket to heaven, but salvation, and salvation is awesome. The fact that what we've been talking about, the power of God, salvation, we've been saved. It's not just, though, about getting to heaven, though that is everything. Live in eternity, in heaven, eternity with the Lord, eternity with the Father. That is awesome. That is everything. But it also includes healing, as we said, includes peace, includes wellness. Amen? So, verse 16 again, Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. Hallelujah. We can't save ourselves. God has done it through Jesus Christ. You know, I don't know if you've heard of the term self-righteousness. There's self-righteousness in um, Christians' lives today. I'll tell you a story about mine that I had. There's self-righteousness in churches today and self-righteousness, and you'll know anybody who's functioning self-righteousness because they'll be saying, I did because of me. I, 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 instead of giving the glory, God, 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 God used me, or God was able to flow, or God, God, God. But if you just get the I, the me, all because of I, because that's self-righteous. And there was one time I was over in an encounter, you all heard our encounters coming up 
end of June. And if you've not been on one of those, get on it. Get your, there's only 30 places, so get your space um, um, booked on that. But I was an encounter out in Peru, and it was 2004. And you know, I'd been brought up in a Christian home. I hadn't gone into what we call the world, hadn't done a whole lot of stuff people would go, um, would call sin and things like that. And there was this particular time, the Holy Spirit, the presence of God was really strong, but God started to deal with me. And I got onto the floor this particular time, and I lay on my tummy on the floor, and it was like I couldn't. It's like I wanted to almost the ground to open up and swallow me. I go, what's happening? And I was, then I was very aware God was crushing self-righteousness in me. Anytime I thought, oh, you, you grew up in a Christian home, and you haven't gone and done that, and you haven't done this, and you haven't done the other, and you haven't done drugs, and yeah, you know, no, no. That was self-righteousness. See, I, I'm only can function in what Jesus has done for me, not one, what I have done. It's what he has done for me. The righteousness of God. We're, it's the gift of God. It's his grace in us. So we don't have to perform. But because we love him, and we, when you really get an understand of what I'm talking about today, when you really understand what he's truly done for you, then all you want to do is start reading this Bible and you want, to, you want to please him because you realize it's not about, I can't do this. It's not about me. He's done it. So if he went to the cross for you so you wouldn't have to and you couldn't go to the cross, he's done it, why would you try and live your Christian life the same way? You've got to realize it's in his righteousness and by grace I live. Amen? Self-righteousness is a horrible thing. Just quickly, I'll, I'll read this passage. I have it on my computer here. Classic Amplified um, Edition. Um, some of you will know this, this parable. Jesus tells a parable. He said, he told this parable to some of the people who trusted in themselves and were confident that they were righteous, self-righteousness. They were confident they were upright and in right standing with God. And they scorned and they made nothing of the rest of men. A horrible attitude. And two men went up to the temple to pray. And one was a Pharisee. Those ones we read earlier they were accusing Jesus of healing the Sabbath. And the other was a tax collector. Now, tax collectors were hated in that time, you know, coming to get the taxes, and they cheated, and they would have taken more money and put it in their back pocket than they were supposed to, so they stole from the people. The people hated them. And the Pharisee took his stand, and he began to pray thus before um, and with himself, God, I thank you that I'm not like the rest of men, extortioners, robbers, swindlers, unrighteous in heart and life, adulterers, or even like the tax collector here. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I earn. But the tax collector, merely standing at the distance, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but kept striking his breast, saying, O oh God, be favorable, be gracious, be merciful to me, the especially wicked sinner that I am. I tell you, this man, Jesus was saying, this man went down to his home justified 
just as if he'd never sinned, forgiven and made right and in right stand with God rather than the other man. For everyone who exalts himself and thinks, it's all it's what I did, what I do, will be humbled, put down. But everyone who humbles himself, will God will raise up, be exalted. Amen? So we've talked this morning that Jesus was born into a time when there was law, it was very religious, and we know there's religion today has not done anything for our country. We're not about religion here. We're about, we call ourselves Christians because Christ came for us, Christians as God followers. Amen? So, um, and we've, we've talked about it. it's everything Jesus has done for us. And we've three people going through the waters this morning and very quickly, I'm just saying, why water baptism? First of all, it's following Jesus. It's because he gave us an example to follow. Water baptism is an act of obedience. Talks about that in the Word. It's also an act of your love for Jesus. It's an act of, I love you, Jesus. You know, I'm going to endeavor to keep the commandments. I'm going to endeavor to keep this, this book because, out of love for you. Not because it's going to earn me any points or anything else or that it make you love me more. No, just out of love for you. Water baptism is not required for salvation. Um, we've already looked at that. That salvation is everything he did. If, if that was required for salvation, that would be a work. That would be a keeping of the law. It's not required for salvation. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse six, 8 to 9 says, For by grace you've been saved through faith, not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not of works, not of doing things, lest anyone should boast. So we've covered that already. Um, so water baptism is a public declaration. Those going through the waters today are said, I've accepted Jesus Christ into my life. I believe he died for me. He took my pain. He took my shame. He took all of my sin, all of my wrongdoing. And now I want to live for him. Help me, Jesus, to live for you. And Romans chapter 6 and verse 1 to 5, if you want to turn there this, this morning, Romans chapter 6 and verses 1 to 5. Actually, I'm going to read from the NIV translation. It says, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How shall we live in it any longer? So those going through the waters are saying, I have decided to follow Jesus. I have died to sin. I'm going through these waters. Verse 3, it says, Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? So when you're going through into these waters, you're, you're symbolizing, I am dying to my old life. Like Jesus died, I'm dying to my old life. Verse 4, it says, We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death. So that's what's happening when they get into this tank. It's, it's a symbol of I'm being, baptized, I'm being buried with Jesus Christ through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, that we too may live a new life. So when they come out of that, it's like they're being resurrected in. It's a symbol of that new life that's already begun in them. 
For if you've been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. It's a wonderful time to celebrate today this brand new life. Hallelujah. We're standing with these three this morning. This brand new life, a symbol of a new life in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Um, Colossians 2 and 12, I'm reading from the NIV, says, Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Hallelujah. So those going into the water, you're united with Christ in his death, coming out of the water, you're resurrected onto new life. And it's a statement that I'm following Jesus. It's a statement that I love Jesus. It's a statement that I'm obedient. I'm following your example, Jesus. Who should be baptized? You can only be baptized if you've believed in Jesus. You believe he died for you. Believe he rose for you. Um, you've accepted him into your life. Only someone who's accepted him can be baptized Today, if you decide, because I'm going to lead you in a prayer right now, I'm going, all of us are going to repeat a prayer after me. And if you decide, I'm going to follow Christ. I'm going to take what Pastor Karen said this morning to my heart. I'm going to ask him into my heart. You would be ready if you had a spare set of clothes to go through the waters this morning. So it's for anybody who's been baptized. Amen. So let's all repeat this prayer after me. So this is an opportunity for you this morning if you want to come to Jesus. Hallelujah. So let's repeat. Dear Lord, I thank you that you went to the cross for me. You hung there naked for me in pain and shame. You took all of my wrongdoing. You took all of my sin upon yourself instead of me. You rose again and I invite you, Jesus, to come into my life, come into my heart and live in me. And I know that you will live your life through me. In Jesus' name, amen. If you've said that prayer and meant that for the first time, please see me at the end during the tea and coffee time. But right now, let's invite Selena and Leon and Phoebe up. you all come up here just with me first of all so I'm going to give you um, a minute or two we'll let the well we'll let Selena start and Phoebe start okay so Phoebe why are you going through the waters of baptism this morning because I love Jesus and I'm obedient for him <laughs> Selena why are you going through the waters this morning because, well, as you know, God does honor prayer. And, you know, I'm even living proof of that. You know, I'm standing here, which I never thought I ever would. And that's through my granny, who always prayed for her family. And I want to see her one day, and I want my children to be with me. So I know that God will honor, also honor my prayer. And it's also to be obedient to him. Leon, why are you going through the waters today? Um, to be obedient to Jesus, and I love him like, very much. 
Let me tell you, I was there, uh, Leon was a water birth, and I was there when he came up out of the water, and it's going to be a great privilege to see you go down and back up out of the water. I witnessed your natural birth, and I'm going to witness this deciding to follow Jesus' spiritual birth, symbol of the spiritual birth this morning. Amen. Praise the Lord. Um, okay, we're going to be led in worship, and I'm going to hand over to Robin now. So Selena's going to go first. When she heard this tank was being offered, she says, when is that baptismal tank coming? When is it coming? So I, she says, can I go first? She's going, this is her new tank, and she's going to be first in this tank. First ever in that tank. Jesus is Lord. <laughs> so come on, Selena. Just go in order. All right. Oh, yes, if you all got your towels, you need your towels. Yeah, that's for a name. There is power <laughs> in a name. We hear that's for a name. Selena McGee Tanner McBride. On your profession of faith of Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth Hamilton, on your profession of faith you have in our Lord Jesus Christ, I baptize you in the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Yeah, that's for a name, folks. The value of a name. My goodness, it's a privilege. Leon David Benjamin Livingstone. Watch that space. On your profession of faith as Jesus Christ, as your Lord and your Savior, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. I 
Hallelujah. Well, listen, stay for a wee cup of tea and coffee, fellowship with one another. Remember, prayer Tuesday night, and uh, praise God. Have a great week. Amen. Thank you for joining us. We look to God that he will direct your steps and blessings through this week. For more information, visit us at bangercommunitychurch.co.uk or find us on Facebook.